Hello. This is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in JAM versus International Finance Corporation. Certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. Argued October 31st, 2018. Decided February 27th, 2019. In 1945, Congress passed the International Organizations Immunities Act, IOIA, which, among other things, grants international organizations the same immunity from suit as is enjoyed by foreign governments. 22 U.S.C. Section 288A B. At that time, foreign governments were entitled to virtually absolute immunity as a matter of international grace and comedy. In 1952, the State Department adopted a more restrictive theory of foreign sovereign immunity, which Congress subsequently codified in the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, FSIA, FISA, 28 U.S.C. Section 1602. The FISA gives foreign sovereign governments presumptive immunity from suit, Section 1604, subject to several statutory exceptions, including as relevant here, an exception for actions based on commercial activity with a sufficient nexus with the United States, section 1605A2. Respondent, International Finance Corporation, and an IOIA international organization entered into a loan agreement with Coastal Gujarat Power Limited, a company based in India, to finance the construction of a coal-fired power plant in Gujarat. Petitioners sued the IFC, claiming that pollution from the plant harmed the surrounding air, land, and water. The district court, however, held that the IFC was immune from suit because it enjoyed the virtually absolute immunity that the foreign governments enjoyed when the IOIA was enacted. The D.C. Circuit affirmed, in light of its decision in Atkinson v. Inter-American Development Bank, the Supreme Court held, The IOIA affords international organizations the same immunity from suit that foreign governments enjoy today under the FISA. The IOIA, same-as formulation, is best understood as making international organizations immunity and foreign sovereign immunity continuously equivalent. The IOIA is thus like other statutes that use similar or identical language to place two groups on equal footing. See Civil Rights Act of 1866, um, Federal Tort Claims Act, yeah, uh, whatever the ultimate purpose of international organization immunity may be, the immediate purpose of the IOIA immunity provision is expressed in language that Congress typically uses to make one thing continuously equivalent to another. That reading is confirmed by the reference canon of statutory interpretation. When a statute refers to a general subject, the statute adopts the law on that subject as it exists whenever a question under the statute arises. In contrast, when a statute refers to another statute by specific title, the reference statute is adopted as it existed when the referencing statute was enacted. Without any subsequent amendments, the federal courts have often relied on the reference canon to harmonize a statute with an external body of law that the statute refers to generally. 
the IOIA's reference to the immunities enjoyed by foreign governments is to an external body of potentially evolving law, not to a specific provision of another statute. Nor is it a specific reference to a common law concept with a fixed meaning. The phrase immunity enjoyed by foreign governments is not a term of art with substantive content, but rather a concept that can be given scope and content only by reference to the rules governing foreign sovereign immunity. The D.C. Circuit relied upon Atkinson's conclusion that the reference canon's probative force was outweighed by an IOIA provision authorizing the president to alter the immunity of an international organization. But the fact that the president has power to modify otherwise applicable immunity rules is perfectly compatible with the notion that those rules might themselves change over time in light of developments in the law governing foreign sovereign immunity. The Atkinson court also did not consider the opinion of the State Department, whose views in this area ordinarily receive special attention. Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela versus H&P Drilling and which took the position that immunity rules of the IOIA and the FISA were linked following the FISA's enactment. The IFC contends that interpreting the IOIA immunity provision to grant only restrictive immunity would defeat the purpose of granting immunity in the first place by subjecting international organizations to suit under the commercial activity exception of the FISA for most or all of their core activities. This would be particularly true with respect to international development banks, which use the tools of commerce to achieve their objectives. Those concerns are inflated. The IOIA provides only default rules. An international organization's charter can always specify a different level of immunity, and many do. Nor is it clear that the lending activity of all development banks qualifies as commercial activity within the meaning of the FISA. But, even if it does qualify as commercial activity, that does not mean the organization is automatically subject to suit, since other FISA requirements must also be met. Example, 28 U.S.C. Sections 1603 and 1605 A.2. The decision is reversed and remanded. Chief Justice Roberts delivered the opinion of the court, in which Justices Thomas, Ginsburg, Alito, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Gorsuch joined. Justice Breyer filed a dissenting opinion, and Justice Kavanaugh took no part in the consideration of this case. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach the podcast, we can be reached at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com.